Dotnet Rocks episode 746 with guest Juan Campa, recorded live Thursday, February 16th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard here for the next hour or so-ish. What's up, Mr. Camel? Oh, you know what? At least I'm not flossing my cat. Yeah, okay. Stepping on any mushrooms lately in the yard there? Yeah, no, we don't have those anymore. It's cold out here. All it's right. been it's been winter, you know? Wet. Okay. Lots of rain. Saying, that was kind of random. Um, kind of random. I just want to let you know and all the fans that... Remember on the Eric Sink show, I talked about my acoustic guitar show. Yeah, how's well, that going? That's on AcousticAddicts.com. By by the time this goes live anyway, we'll probably have talked about it a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find the video on YouTube and uh, AcousticAddicts.com. You can find it there. So where and are you starting? We're basically starting with four great guitars. And we play them side by side and compare them and we show the spectrum analysis visually and we talk about the different woods that they're made with and what they sort of lend themselves naturally to be best at. Nice. Yeah. And when you talk about high-end guitar, how much money are we talking? Uh, $3,000 and higher. Wow. That's a lot of money for a guitar. It should be magical. Some cost seven or 8000 Well, you know, it's the tone wood and the craftsmanship that makes them so desirable. Sure. And the woods aren't going to last forever. No, no. I mean, they're getting more and more restricted every day. That's really true. There's um, th- These woods have characteristics that only they have, and um, it's a good time if you're looking for collectible and uh, things that this is a good time to buy them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's enough about me. I'm excited for it, man. I think it's a cool show. Yeah. Check it out. AcousticAddicts.com. And now it's time for Better Know Framework. All right. So what do you got? Well, as you know, I go looking for things that I think are of importance to .NET developers and little Mm -hmm. tips and things I can find. We've been talking about Node.js a lot lately. It's sort of the hip happening new thing. And I went and found on YouTube a great video. It's an introduction to Node.js with Ryan Dahl, who created Node.js. And you can find it at uh, tinyurl.com slash Node.js intro. And there's no dot in there. It's just Node.js intro. Uh, and it's got a lot of good comments and uh, about 170,000 views as of this day. So if you really want to get started, that's a great place too. Awesome. There you go. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of, speaking of cool libraries, show 723, which was the one on Signal R. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a comment from Martin Hayes, who said, Hi, guys, another great show. I like the way .NET Rocks always manages to bring complex topics and make them understandable and usable. However, I do have a question. During the discussion about SignalR, it was mentioned that okay. it is a, quote, moonlight project going on in the background. As such, can we be certain of its longevity? I am a little nervous of bringing new stuff into my projects only to see support and documentation for them wither and die. How do you guys judge what is a sticker and what is a flash in the pan? Well, Martin, I wouldn't have put it on the show if I hadn't already seen that Microsoft had decided to adopt it. That was the, the that's the trick you didn't get was right. that I've been watching Signal R for a while when it was uh, Damien and uh, and David's 
side project, but now it's been incorporated into ASP.NET. They're talking about putting it out in Azure. It's become a thing. And so then I figured now it's the time to, to present it to the development community and say, hey, this is what they're doing. Yeah. So while we got the guys who started as a Moonlight project, I believe it's been taken from them. That it's become a bigger deal and good things are happening. It's up on GitHub. It's being supported. So all is well. I would not be afraid to experiment with SignalR. It's not going to go away. Yeah, it's it's legit. Totally legit. And for that fine comment and bringing up a clarification that admittedly we should have had in the show... I think I'll send you a mug. So, Martin, thanks so much. A mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com. And before we introduce Juan Campo, I want to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 200 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts such as our guests. They release 8 to 10 new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial where you have access to their vast video library for 200 minutes worth anyway. Uh, Pluralsight currently has eight courses on Silverlight development, including coverage of Silverlight 5 and Expression Blend for developers. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. Hey, Richard, it's almost time for NDC. Oh, yes, the Norwegian Developers Conference. Yeah, it's coming up here in June, June 6th to 8th, with pre-conference workshops June 4th and 5th. Where do you see the roster? The cost is $2,000 US. Which is 10,900 kroner. And you can see a list of speakers if you go to ndcoslo.com slash speaker. I know you and I will be there. We will be. We'll be recording shows like mad like we always do. It's one of the best speaker rosters of any conference or anywhere in the world. And it's not a huge show. If you really want to get a chance to sit and chat with a guy like Aral or uh, Dan North, this is your best shot. It's a great show for that. NDCOslo.com. And with that, let me introduce Juan Campo, one of the winners of the 2008 Dream Build Play second prize with Battle Tennis. He's also the technical director of a newborn company, which focuses on creating games and related middleware for the XNA platform. The CompLot's flagship product is GearSet, a set of development tools that aims to speed up XNA development for all supported platforms. Sounds awesome. Welcome, Juan. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to have you. And uh, you're relatively new to .NET Rocks, I hear. Yeah, uh, I started listening to the show about uh, three months ago, and uh, I love it. Great. Well, that's cool. To tell you the truth, we don't cover XNA as much as I'd like to, or as much as listeners probably would like us to. But uh, this sounds really cool, this gear set product. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, what problem does it solve? Yeah, okay. Let's say you... Um are starting uh, to code your new game, right? And you download XNA, and, well, one of the things that people want to start is, um, to start your game with is some tools, right? You want to, for example, if uh, XNA is, is a simple platform, it's a framework, it's a set of libraries. That's something I often have, have to explain to people uh, because there are some people that, and when, oh, that's XNA. Is that an engine? Does that, does XNA provide you with that? Right. And, uh, and no, XNA is kind of basic. It's, uh, a wrapper around DirectX that 
with a lot of added functionality. But um, there's a thing with XNA um, that the thing is that everyone that wraps it will start coding their own game from scratch. In, and everyone will end up with very, very different code bases and very, very different engines. And uh, the thing about Gearset is that it targets um, XNA only, and, and we have tools that will work uh, with any project, even if, if you're using engines like Sunbarn, which is one of the most popular engines and mm. on, on top of XNA. You can use set uh, and it will work with that engine. Okay, so uh, give us an, an example of um, of some of the uh, the things that it makes easier. Okay, um, the the first thing that you will notice when you when you get gear set is this window, which is called the inspector, and this window is very very similar to Visual Studio's watch window, and watch window is of course very useful, right? But there's a problem with with this watch window and game development, and that is that games run at 30 or 60 frames per second. Right. And uh, you, you sometimes you have to, uh, you know, you can set a breakpoint in your method and then hit F5 so that the, the game loops one more time. And if you want to go one second ahead, you have to, for example, set a counter on the but what if you want to see how the data is changing over time? And, uh, and Gearset allows you just that. It's a watch window, but you don't have to break your game. Mm. Okay. You can see and modify values in real time. That's cool. It's a, it, this is an interesting problem because it's just not stuff we think about if you're not developing games, just how fast things need to change. Right. Exactly. That's That's... Uh, something very particular to games, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it has a lot of very cool things. Like for example, if you have the uh, float value, you want to see how it's changing, and and you don't only want to see the value, but you want to understand how it's changing, right? So you just click this button uh, that is beside the value, and it will a plot will appear, and and you will see a graphic of the value changing over time. So you were saying you want to monitor a float value. What would that float value typically represent? Is that a controller movement or, you know, some location on the screen? What changes that value that we want to monitor it? Okay. Okay. Let me give you uh, one concrete example. Okay. Um, let's say you're, you're creating an artificial intelligence system, right? And this artificial intelligence system will work uh, differently depending on how the player is is playing right, and 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 to determine how the player is, is is doing good or bad, you have to you know take some measurements. For example, if the player is aiming correctly, how it is how is his curiosity doing? Um, this kind of, of values you have to to capture and to determine is the player good, is the player bad, right? And and you and when you code. The, the this artificial intelligence system when you code it and you you intend it to work some way but you are you cannot be sure if you are not seeing it if you are mm. not uh, verifying it right 
Right. Mm-hmm. So you can you can you code it, and then you think, oh, this value should go up when the player is aiming correctly, and it should go down if the player gets hit a lot or if it falls down, something like that. And you can see it. You plot it, and then you and you uh, corroborate what you plan for the game, and and that's that's one of the, the important things. Um, if we have to define what the bug is, I would say it's when the code does not behave as expected. Right. Uh, you, you code something, and, and and the game is not working as you intended to be. And if you're watching how stuff are behaving then you are sure that the game is working as expected. That's the goal. So it seems to me that if you're programming a game, you have lots and lots of resources that you have to manage and keep track of. Isn't that true? I mean, tons and tons of little graphics and audio clips. That's and, correct. Yeah. How That's do, correct. Does, does Gearset help you manage those resources at all? Well, it does. Um, usually, when you have this huge amount of resources, you will have to name them. But that's, that's very common in game engines that every object has a name because you have to refer it um, so objects can communicate and, yeah. game, and game designers can, you know, know what they are manipulating and stuff. And it's sort of like going to a conference and having to memorize a thousand people's names, isn't it? Exactly. That's, that's true. That's crazy. And, and well, there is a window that we provide. It's, it's called the Finder, and what it does is obviously it finds objects that in your game either by type or by or by name. And the default behavior is that it, it will look through your component collection. That's the default collection that all XNA games have. It, it has a component of, of uh, a, a collection of components, right? So Finder isn't a tool that you use in in your development. It's something that you would use in in code, right? To find uh, to find something in your code in your game. No, no, it isn't. It's, you have to find stuff uh, the objects that when your game is running, so you can you can see them. For example, you run your game. You you start a new game, right? It's okay. a it's a fireworks simulation. You have you want to build fireworks okay. that explode the sky, right? And let's say you create um, one thousand fire fireworks or whatever, and the fireworks will start uh, at the bottom of the screen and will go up and explode in the sky. And okay. you want let's say you want to tweak how the the fireworks explode. So you find these, you go to the finder and you type, for example, uh, fireworks type one. And it will appear a list of all the objects. And you double click on it and you will get a visual representation of the object and it's a state in the inspector. And you can then tweak the, for example, a parameter that says, um, explosion velocity or air friction. And then you can give these tools to the to the game designer or the level designer, and he can tweak all the parameters right there. Isn't this something like searching that you do in Visual Studio anyway? I mean, I'm I guess 
it's what you do with you're not trying to find the code or find um, an example of it you're trying to find an object so then you can plug it into the rest of the tools in your system like the like the uh the the viewer yeah the the inspector inspector that's it but the thing is that you want to tweak values and see the result in real time okay that's the difference you could you could go to the code and you know change the value and recompile your game or edit and continue, but if you have a slider and you change it, uh, you're seeing how the stuff is changing in real time. I get it. I get it. Yeah, gaming is a different programming beast than the kind of software we're used to, us mere mortals. <laughs> this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik Just Code. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how'd you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type, and not just for the opened files? The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where just code is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features just code offers and download a trial at telerik.com slash just code. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Something about this almost seems very aspect oriented too, right? This idea that you have this running state machine that's running the game and then you, you're sort of monitoring on top of that and injecting changes into it with gear set. That's right. That's the way, that's the way to work with gears. It's, it's very, um, natural. It's very, um, it gives you a productivity boost because you can change the stuff and then say, okay, this is what I want just the values that I want for my firewall simulation. And then just pick them. You click a button on the top of the window that says show only modified fields. Right. And it, and it will only show you the stuff that you manipulated. And then you can take that and write it back to your, to your configuration files or your code files or whatever you want. So for folks who've never really done any programming in XNA, uh, maybe we need to sort of talk about more of the fundamentals here to see how gear set really fits into the equation. Are we still, we're still programming .NET, right? It's all C sharp. Yeah, C sharp. And, uh, we have access to the whole .NET libraries with XNA. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So, and are we just, you, will you typically build games? Do you build them for the PC or are you deploying them to the Xbox, to the phone? Like what's your normal working style? Okay. Basically, um, what you do is that since XNA is, is uh, so simple to target all platforms with the same code, what you do is that you do most development on Windows, and then you deploy to the devices every now and then and see how, how things are going and see how the performance is going. Uh, but that's it. That's the, that's the good thing about XNA. You can develop on Windows. Right. You're almost sure that things are going to work good on the device. Well, and Aaron lies the real question, which is most games I know of are developed in C++, you know, as close to the metal as possible. XNA is still somewhat abstract. So, you know, is there really a, 
a punishment for that, that it doesn't perform as well as the bare metal approach? Well, that's a, that's a ongoing discussion all the time. Uh, people are always saying, um, C++ is, you know, a lot faster. Um, but then there is development time. And games are very, very complex pieces of software. And you have a trade-off if you are going to make this really, really um, technically advanced game, then your mm-hmm. power is going to go with um, C++ because you have to squeeze all the power of the computer. But if you want to develop a casual game or uh, a lot of games that do not uh, squeeze the most of the, the CPU. Uh, and, and there's the other thing that algorithms can always be improved. Um, so usually the, the, the improvements are in the algorithms if you fix them and not in small improvements, for example, floating point performance or, uh, or that kind of thing. Okay. But you can still develop a lot of games with XNA. I'm still trying to um, figure out what XNA Studio gives you that's um, similar to the way that Gearset works. Um, it, cause, cause like I said, I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to XNA. I don't, I'm never really, I've seen people do it in Visual Studio, but, um, I, you know, it seems like you've got a much more organic kind of object oriented, tweaky way to manipulate your resources and objects in real time that sort of, um, goes beyond the programming, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like a much more natural way to develop your, your objects and your resources. Well, um, XNA has this great feature, which is called the content pipeline. Mm-hmm. And you, basically, you forget about um, buffers, uh, buffers in the in video RAM, and and all those low-level things. Mm-hmm. And you simply drag, and for example, a JPEG or a texture to your Visual Studio solution, and, and that's it. You can load it from, from the runtime, and you have this texture object which you, can, which you can apply to model and have the model texture. That's right. it. It's, it's very simple. Yeah. And that one of the things that makes that make this possible is that all games will have the same texture object. And Same texture object? Yeah. And, and all games will have the same uh, math library. Say math or math, T-H, or map, M-A-P? Math. La, ma, ma, like mathematics? Yeah, math library. Okay. Yeah. The, the, all games will have the same uh, math library. And, and I can take advantage of that and say, okay, I'm going to make a, a control to manipulate this object that I know everyone using XNA will use. For example, a vector tree uh, uh, or a texture. Then I, I know exactly how the the object is going to be everywhere. So that that's what makes here so possible mm. in XNA and kind of difficult in uh, other. In, if you're, for example, programming directly in C++. Okay. So, um, so tell us about some more of the features of, of Gearset. And, and by the way, is this a, is this a commercial tool? I didn't even, we didn't even get there yet. 
Well, there are two options. You can go with a free version, which can have almost all the features except for one. Um, the free version won't allow you to modify fields in the inspector, fields of free. Uh, it will only allow you to see them or plot them, but that you won't be able to write to them. Okay. And, well, the other features that you can get with the free or the paid version is, um, for example, the logger. The logger is another similar to, to the inspector in the sense that it tries to improve a tool that we already have, but it's not completely... Um, completely right for game development, which is the output window. Visual Studio's output, win uh, output window will, will show the text that you're, you know, using console that right line and you see the text that appears there. But, but if you want to, for example, not everything that happens in your game. Yeah. Which as we, as we said, is changing 60 times per second. And all the code, basically all your game code is running 60 times per second. And if you want to lock the stuff, send stuff to the, the output, uh, it will be a mess. Right? It will be, a, there will be a lot of stuff. Then what we did was, um, okay, things are output. Let's call these text are outputs, right? Mm -hmm. Outputs are, are coming from a lot of components. Game. And we want to visualize where each output is coming from. So you, each output is colored depending on, 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 the, on the originating component. And uh, you all forget when exactly the, the output was, was um, emitted. And what this gives you is a, is, a, is a view of how your game is doing uh, through time. Something very important in game development is that you can get these errors because you're updating some component and uh, another component that depends on that is updating on the next frame. And you get errors because things are being updated uh, not on the same frame but on different frames. And with a lot of things that are like um, the same frame gets grouped and it's a very simple tool, but it's a uh, uh, usability improvement from the regular output window. It's really right. um, tailored for game development. Okay, so uh, so your the answer is that there's some of these uh, in the free version. Um, are, some of these tools aren't there. Uh, how much is it? The dare only, I ask? The commercial version. Yes, yeah, the only thing the only thing that's not there is. The ability to write to fields and properties from the inspector. Everything okay. else, you get it for free. Okay. And, and how much is the commercial version? It's uh, $35, I think. $35? Yeah. Oh, that's cheap. Yeah, it's very cheap. Very cheap. Okay, so, so let me ask you about some of these other features that I'm looking at on your website. Bender for editing Bezier curves, I guess? That's actually a feature we released um, yesterday. Whoa. And uh, basically allows you to edit curves um, in runtime. And this is, this is very useful because 
in, in game development, you do a lot of animation. You know, when mm-hmm. you open your game, a menu will pop up, and the menu will come from the left, and it will have an animation. And usually, these types of animations are, are being done either with um, hard-coded functions or animated by an artist with curves. Mm. So when you're talking about curves, you're talking about um, paths, right? Yeah, paths that can be smooth or, or, or not. Right. That's, that's another thing that XNA provides. Okay. Uh, it provides you with a, with a class called Curve. And, and what it does is it uh, interpolates between points smoothly or, or whichever way you ask it to. Well, you know what time it is, Richard. It's that happy time. It's time to give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection to a happy member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And uh, we give away one of these every show. If you want to win stuff, all sorts of stuff, including a $5,000 technology package in December, you need to be a member of the fan club. Go to .netrocks.com slash fanpage.aspx. Today's winner is Ross Furman. Ross, congratulations. Congratulations, Ross. This Big is loot for you. A two thousand dollar monetary value, but in terms of the value of software, it's eight thousand dollars worth of Telerik software. And, it's and in terms of the improvement of your productivity, it's of infinite value. It's invaluable. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing stuff. And congratulations for winning it. And if you'd like to win some cool loot from us, go onto the donnetrocks.com website and click on the fan page link on the right hand side. That's right. It says, get free stuff. Join the DNR fan club. Surfing the web? Yeah. You ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Okay, uh, getting back to some of these other features, overlaid geometry. Okay, that's um, it's very simple, yeah. but it's very useful. Um, everything in GearSet is, is our tools that allows you to visualize how your game is doing. And, well, the overlay geometry is simply, simply a way to draw stuff with, with a single line of code. Let's say you are creating um, pathfinding. Yeah, you want to you wanna go from point A to point B. Okay. But there are obstacles, and you're testing it. So you have to draw the, the path that you are trying, that the, the pathfinding algorithm is giving you. You have to draw it and to see if it's working or not. Got it. And that can be done very simply with Gearset. It's a simple line of code. And is that not something that you can do in XNA? Yes, of course you can do it, but... That there are some uh, this this improves usability a lot. For I get example, it. It's just one line of code with with, XNA, with your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Comparing to to Plenty, if you have to do it. I got it, and you can do that because you you have uh, knowledge of the, all the objects and where they are, and 
and uh, and what you can do. So I, I get it. It's just a higher level way to draw geometry over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that makes total sense. Wow, 35 bucks. I might actually get into XNA development, Richard. Oh, it makes things pretty simple. But, you know, the big question mark is Windows 8. Because yeah. it the looks like, and Juan, please chime in here on this. Uh, the XNA doesn't seem to be very well supported in Windows 8. Yet. We don't know really yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. There are a lot of rumors. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Microsoft has been uh, kind of... Um, not not saying a lot about that. But, well, there was one um, session at Build where the thing they said was, XNA will not run in Metro mode. You have to use DirectX directly, either through C++ or C Sharp. And if you're not in Metro mode, you can't go in the App Store. But, I mean, aren't you, Richard, going to develop a game that's going to take over the screen anyway? Do you really want that a game to be a Metro app? I guess that's the question. Yeah. Right? Do you want a game over there? And I think the main issue here is the App Store. That sure you could still build a game and run it in in the classic mode, and it'll work just fine. But if you can't go in the App Store, you can't use that sales channel essentially. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. How do you sell your games, Juan? The thing is that XNA will still be the according to to some things I read, uh, some rumors I read. Um. XNA will still be the way to develop games for uh, the phone, the right. Windows phone. So uh, I said, okay, that's that's okay. Don't don't develop for for Windows 8, Metro, but uh, you can still develop for Windows Phone, which is still a huge market. Right, and still has an app store and all that good stuff. Like, yeah, and so Gearset works on uh, Windows Phone 7, no problem. Um, it doesn't because uh, what what Gearset does is that it compiles uh, IL in runtime, right? It, it and and that cannot be done in the phone. That's a technical limitation. Okay, so you got to test it with a simulator on your PC before deploying to the mm-hmm. phone. Um, not the simulator, but uh, Windows build. Um. Since XNA is so easy to do it, you can have both um, executables, those both binaries, one for Windows and one for the phone. And oh, I see. They will work almost the same. Interesting. So you just make the screen size the right size to fit the phone, and you're fine. Yeah, that's right. That's cool. I didn't. I didn't realize that XNA for the phone was that the same. Yeah, it's very, very, very similar. Um, you have some limitations on the phone, but, but it's very easy to take a game that you have developed for Windows and rebuild it for the phone and it will work. That's what it. differences do you run into with the phone? What, is it missing things? Yeah. For example, uh, at this moment, you cannot, um, program the graphic card. You, uh, there, there's some programs you can run on the graphics bar. I know, I don't know if you guys, uh, know them, which are called, uh, the pixel and the vertex shader. Mm-hmm. And you cannot run, you cannot write your own, uh, pixel shader. You have to use what is built in on the phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you've gone down the path of building your own pixel shaders, you're going to have a problem trying to get to the phone. Yeah. 
I mean, don't you have to rethink the game anyway just to fit on the, the phone screen? Yeah, that's, that's of course, um, because you don't have a mouse and a keyboard and you have right. a touch screen and you have also multi-touch. And so you have to, to rethink the input. Uh, that's the most important part. And also if you, for example, if you rely that, that you have a big screen and you're showing very small text, that's some, that's going to be a problem also. But, but if, if you can handle that, then you're good for a phone. Well, and there's an opportunity there with the phone and good games, no question about it. And there's really no other way to build games to the phone at this point, right? There's no access to the low level of the phone? No, there's no native code running on the phone. Um, but I think that if there has been a, a recent leak that, uh, that says that it will be possible to run native code on Windows Phone 8. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the, the veracity of the leak. It's very recent. Yeah, that sounds like we're just at the leak phase on those That's things right. so far. That's right. Yeah. Then, and the thing is that if that's allowed, there are some, some engines, um, like, for example, Unity, that could run on XNA, on, uh, excuse me, on the Windows Phone. And if you can write a, uh, a game that will run on all platforms, then you're going to pro- you're probably going to go with Unity. And for folks who've never used Unity, what's Unity all about? Unity is uh, it's a game engine that will run on almost all platforms except for um, XNA, except for Windows Phone. And if they allowed native code, then uh, the Unity uh, creators will probably create a Unity version for Windows Phone. And if you ask me, that will end the, the XNA development. That's what would actually kill XNA development. Exactly, that will actually kill it. Well, just because you can build a game in Unity and compile it out to the iPhone, compile it out to Android, but you can't get to WinPhone 7 that way. That's the biggest selling point they have. Right. And, and, and if they bring it to Windows Phone, then, they, then you can build a game for all platforms. Yeah, write once, run everywhere, or at least compile everywhere anyway. That's right. Well, and yeah. I, I, XNAs always seem to be on the margins of things. What about the Xbox as far as XNA is concerned? Well, um, you can write, of course, games for the Xbox. And there's a special marketplace in, in the Xbox, which is called Xbox Live Indie Games. Mm-hmm. And also, if your game is, is good enough, is good enough, you can also go to Xbox Live Arcade. With XNA, and that's that's not a problem. So, um, but but if you have the money to pay for engines, like for example, if you want to use Unity on the Xbox, and you probably have to pay uh, some money, a lot of money. And but but XNA is a free alternative, of course. So I don't know if that would kill it, if if Unity would kill it because XNA is. Right, and and Unity, 
make no bones about it, the pro edition of Unity is like $1,500 US. Like, it is not free. And and, the, no, and then there's exactly. add-ons on top of that. Yeah, and, and $1,500 if you're going to develop for uh, Windows or, right. uh, or Mac. But if you're targeting, for example, if you're targeting um, iOS, you'll have to pay uh, 1500 uh, more. Right. And if you're targeting a platform, then it's probably a lot more, but uh, I'm not sure. But it's just, yeah, you, you could spend quite a bit on Unity, but it does give you an awful lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's a, it's a, it's a good tool. It's a pretty good tool. And, and, and they I just uh, I worry about the future of XNA long term because it is sort of boxed in and been moved in a lot of different directions. Boxed in, ha! Huh? You're funny. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Certainly, the Xbox is thriving, and I don't know how many commercial games are done with XNA. Do you know, Richard? The commercial games generally are written in C plus plus. It's only the indie games that come through XNA. Yeah. Yeah, there um, there has been some games with a lot of um, exposure. That has been built with XNA. For example, there's one called Bastion, which was built with XNA. But um, the thing with XNA is that the feature depends on whether it becomes multi-platform or not. And of course, it's a Microsoft product, and it's not going to be multi-platform. But there are projects that aim to help. Um, uh, a, a version of XNA that will run on other platforms. And their, their, their objective is that this um, framework that, is, that mimics XNA will work with the same code you use with XNA. So you will have only to change the references and you're set. You build it, you, you build it on, on mono and you can run it on iOS, for example. Right. But it seems to me, and I, you know, I don't know if you've seen these stories, Juan, that most folks who get good at building XNA games end up being bought, brought into the bigger gaming industry and sort of leave XNA behind and go build games with another, with a larger company using C++ or some other set of tools. Well, that, that happens. It has happened. But I think I, Actually, the feature of, of gaming, it's not in, in the C++ part because, for example, if you are creating games with Unity, you use C-Sharp because they have uh, mono. They are built on top of mono. Right. And it's not, it's not the fact that, that you don't have the performance, but the difference is that uh, the problem is that with the, the target. You can get with, with this platform. You cannot yeah. target anything but uh, Windows Phone, the Xbox, or the PC, and that's that's the, that's the biggest issue. Here. Yeah, just getting enough reach one way or the other. So it doesn't seem to me that the Windows games have penetrated all that well. The indie game section, there's a few fans of it, but it's not. You know, there's what 60 million Xboxes, but there's not 60 million sales in the indie space. I wonder if it just takes a, you know, a stellar game to make that happen. Um, that, that's, that's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Um, but that's where stuff like Gearset comes in. You need great tools to build great stuff. Right. 
and and you need uh, an engine. And we are also working on an engine um, that we plan to release maybe uh, mid year. And, awesome. and that's the kind of things that developers need to create great stuff and bring the the actual types in the games uh, to you know to success. Well, Juan, that's about the end of our time here. Is there anything else that you want to tell us before we abandon ship? Well, I think that's it. Well, good luck with Gearset. It sounds great, and I'm sure if you're an XNA developer, this is a welcome relief. Yeah, thank you, guys. You're welcome. And uh, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. PluralSight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a